my assumption is that we're going to have over 500 people by the day. My assumption is that we're going to have 1,000 people. So I'm still correct. Yes. So nailed it. <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 149 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam. I'm the launcher of Rumpus. I'm Sam, and I'm the slinger of emails. And today's... Uh, this is... <laughs> I get you. This is a show. Yeah, Sam threw me off there. This is a show. It's like a males. Is this uh, males? M a l e s or i l s? Kind of males. This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is May Sven, two thousand eighteen. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity. So if there's a baby. Uh, just uh, put them in the back room for a while, mm-hmm. or they'll learn some terrible, terrible words. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's young enough, it's probably fine because they are incapable of thought or learning at you know, some they're, point. They're basically a gelatinous lump yeah. of, also, if of it's, fat and cartilage. If its first word was a swear word, that would be a good story. You should be proud. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about slinging males. Let's do it. <laughs> what is this? What's happening? So, uh, we've, we, I guess we technically are formally announcing Levelhead today. But I guess by we've, podcast day, it will be two days prior. And and in podcast years, we've been informally announcing it every week for yep. the past four months. So the question is, what's the difference, right? So what's the <laughs> yeah, difference we, between- Well, we soft announced it. Yeah, previously. between formal and informal. So for us, it's just kind of the difference between, have we actually tried to tell everybody that it exists? And is there a place you can go to to get all the information about it? So Levelhead has actually not had a website. Yeah, the answers to both of those were nope. Yep. And so, uh, and I did get a joke from from one of the press people who we have been talking to about it. It was from- uh, Eli at Touch Arcade, because they were the ones who actually took a video of it while we were at GDC. And so they've had the video up for you know, a month and a half now. He's like, how are you formally announcing something that's already been announced? And I was like, well, <laughs> no one else knows about it except for you. So, right. <laughs> so uh, today was a big day to kind of uh, do all that, all the email slinging. And so essentially what we did last week was uh, we sat down to do the production planning and realized just for where we happened to be that Seth had a bunch of solo work that he needed to do to kind of uh, fix up a bunch of the web functions, which meant that I could either go work on some of the solo art stuff that doesn't need collaboration, or we could actually let people know that the game exists and provide a good, you know, place for people to land on the stuff. Yep. And the website was basically ready to launch. Mm-hmm. And that was the trick. So we uh, we we relaunched uh, bscotch.net today uh, with Adam's new web design and all the new backend web tech. And with that is the Levelhead game site, as well as uh, announcement blog posts, with tons of GIFs and all sorts of cool stuff on it. And so all these things just kind of started coming together literally on Tuesday, I think, last week. Yeah. Uh, we just decided this was going to happen. So we put together a video. We got a coming soon Steam page, uh, which which you should actually go wish list us on. Um, yes, please do. Because that makes a huge difference for us in terms of, uh, you know, when when Valve is looking to see, are these guys going to do well? If there's a huge number of people in the wish list system, then they think maybe we'll do well. So it helps us out. Um, but yeah, so we, we slung all the emails maybe an hour ago, and now we're in here. Hiding out. We made a tweet. Made a tweet. That's good. Only took a hundred tries to get it going. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a thing with Twitter. I don't know. Something about uploading MP4s. From desktop only. From desktop. You can do it from your phone, but you can't do it from a computer. I don't get it. It's probably, I mean, the desktop version of Twitter is probably a a second consideration. You know, because people probably mostly use it on mobile. You know, while they're pooping and stuff. Of course. Yeah. And they're tweeting and they're just like, great poop right Tweets now. from the Super, yeah. <laughs> Super good nailing this poop today. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, Level is now, uh, it's now been formally announced. We'll see if there's any press that actually gets kicked up from it uh, over the next coming days. But 
Who knows? Yeah. We, we did our part. We'll see what happens. And yeah. so kind of where we're at with Levelhead Dev is, you know, we just wrapped up or we're, we're kind of around the end of month four of development, mm-hmm. um, which means, and, and in terms of the overall production of the game, we're in what we would call the slog, which is most of the, most of the questions about the game are answered now in terms of what it's going to play like, what kind of content we need, what are the core functions that, you know, users are going to do. Um, and now we're in that phase of just kind of grinding away at polishing things, getting more content in, tweaking special effects. You know, we've had, we've had some days now where we just spend a day, just a whole day on an explosion, mm-hmm. you know, just getting it to a point where it's just real fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the kinds of things where it's not that exciting sort of moment to moment to work on it because it's just these tiny, tiny incremental changes. And so I think announcing the game at a time like this is really Super helpful because yeah. then, yeah, we have kind of cheerleaders on the side just kind of telling us how pumped they are, which is really mm-hmm. nice. So, yeah. And if you want to keep up to date with it, just go to levelhead.bscotch.net. That's kind of, that's the new mm-hmm. home of Levelhead where we'll be presumably putting up announcements as they happen. Yes. And we will also be using the new website to manage uh, Levelhead's alpha test, yep. which will be coming Sometime. I mean, it'll be coming at some point. We don't, <laughs> we're not going to say <laughs> when. Um, but but all of those tests will be run through beta.bscotch.net, which is where all of the beta sort of in-development stuff will be happening uh, on the website as well yeah. as through testing for the games and yeah. stuff. So for now, if you've, if you've signed up for abs using our, our Google form, which we've talked about in the past, which is what, at bit.ly slash powerful bscotch abs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with hyphens. With hyphens in between everything. Uh, so we're still going to use that for now, um, to, to alert everybody because we don't have anything else going yet. Um, once we get to that point and finally have the level head alpha running, all that kind of stuff, then all future stuff is going to run through this beta.bscotch.net website. Yes. So we got big things happening. It's very exciting. Yep. I'm excited to see all the different ways the website breaks. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm, I, I'm excited because I don't have to fix it. This is, yep. this is all Adam's well, problem. Well, it was, it was pretty funny because we put it out into, on, we, we launched the beta version of the site uh, just last Thursday. Um, and I basically, I, just, I only told our moderators first because we've got, you know, half a dozen people. And I just thought, I'll just, I'll just get some external eyeballs on this. Mm-hmm. And the Every, hilarious thing was, broke. well, everyone... <laughs> Everyone did the exact same thing, which is they logged in and immediately changed their username. Yep. And that's a thing because we have, I have it set up so that we all get automatic usernames um, as part of the Bscotch crew, which meant that I've never had to set my username since five months ago when I first set up that system. And so I just didn't even, I just hadn't even thought about the username management and how, how that UX was. It turns out it wasn't great. So I'm probably going to need to make some additional <laughs> yeah. changes to it. Uh, yeah. But it, it is definitely much improved after. So thanks thanks to the mods for catching some early annoyances. Mm-hmm. Yes. And one of the other things we're doing with, so this is this is now using Rumpus, which is our new web backend. Yep. So if you had a Bscotch ID account, that's, you know, you you couldn't even have signed in on the website with your old Bscotch ID account, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even a thing. That and you, you still can't. You still can't. <laughs> but now you can sign into our website using uh, Rumpus, and it doesn't use passwords. Yeah. And so we, we do have a podcast question about this coming up. Cool. So we'll talk you. about okay. this whole password-free movement. Uh-huh. It's, it's an interesting idea. Yeah. Um, and, and I should also say, because we had some questions about that, uh, about uh, what's going to happen to Bscotch ID. Mm-hmm. So we don't know exactly how or when. We don't know We don't know what this the future landscape is going to look like for this thing. But the the current belief that we have because we think it's important 
is that we're going to essentially port Bscotch ID into Rumpus. We don't want to take anything extent. away from anybody. Right. So we're going we're to minimize what gets lost in the process. So uh, we want to keep the perks. Um, they'll probably mostly be, a lot of them might be just legacy perks now that you could only have gotten if you were in Bscotch ID. Um, like sort of gifting to, butter ups. Right. That stuff. kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're going to try to keep as much of it as we can. Um, and then, and we will throw away some, some stuff like the messaging system and other things that weren't really used anyway. Um, so there, there will be some things that are lost, but as much as we can, mm-hmm. we're keep it. We'll so keep it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> and none of us are looking forward to it. Uh, but we're going to do it for you and all because we, I was going to say because we love you, which is true, but it's mostly we don't want to get yelled at. Yes. Mainly yeah. we fear you. Mainly we fear you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sort of love-fear kind love of fear relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So otherwise, uh, Adam got LASIK, which... We talked about Sam's LASIK experience mm-hmm. uh, a while, but so this is now this is just this new this is hot trend that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> getting LASIK. Let's talk about it. Yeah, how, how are you feeling, it? Adam? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. There, I I'm still in that phase because I did it on Friday and it's Monday, so I'm still in that phase where there's kind of a there's bloom actually. It's a mm-hmm. real life bloom. So yep. you were living in the Unreal Engine, right yeah. Now. Which which although pretty does make it hard to read stuff a yes. little bit, you know. So uh, if, if I'm looking at a window or something, there's just kind of this angelic glow, mm-hmm. you know, being cast. I found my pupils were just a little bit dilated for like a week or so. Yeah, because they're trying to figure out they don't know what the fuck's yeah. going on yeah, anymore. Your eye is just yeah. not, you're very, not having it. <laughs> yeah, but it really, I, I mean, the the procedure itself was definitely not an enjoyable experience. It's um, not something you would do sort of for fun on a, like just on a casual afternoon. No, but I was actually, I was noticing today as I was kind of playing with my my vision that I'm pretty sure that my stigmatism is not fully corrected. So stigmatism is sort of a distortion in, in things and not, not so much a focus problem, but just a weird distortion. And that's either because they just couldn't fix it or because they overcorrected or undercorrected. I don't know which one it is, but I was like, shit, I might have to get that part kind of redone. You know, mm-hmm. so one of my eyeballs, I might need to get retouched. Uh, but it didn't even bother me. The thought that I might have to, mm-hmm. um, no. because it was that, even though the, the, in the moment part of the experience was unpleasant, but it wasn't horrifying or anything. Yeah. It was just, I knew it's things unple- were happening. It's unpleasant in the same sense that like going to the dentist is unpleasant when they're scraping your teeth with yeah. a metal it's, spike. Yeah. It's yeah. a little more unpleasant than like, that. This isn't but awesome. But not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not awesome. I wouldn't just want to do it. Uh, but you could handle it. If but you, you yeah, to. but you could really yeah. handle it. And it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was very weird. Hmm. Definitely. Um, and we should also say that Adam has, has just zany eyes. Yeah, I got shit eyeballs. So this is this is <laughs> this was passed down from generation to generation yeah. in mm-hmm. our in our family. Our our grandma in particular had just these ludicrous glasses mm-hmm. with yeah. you know like quadrifocals with all kinds of prisms, prisms and, and telescopes. Yeah. And She's almost like a like a gnome engineer. Like <laughs> right. you know, just a weird face mask of you know glass. That, that character from from uh, office space who wants to burn the building down yes. and he's got the glasses and his eyes are just fucking huge. <laughs> that's kind of very that's, similar. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. yeah. And, and also because of the prisming and the stigmatism correction, if you look, if you look into the glasses, the, the face is actually a different size. Yes. There, you know, so you'll see anyway. Uh, so yeah, so my eyes are very weird. I've had surgery on them a few times to get some muscles readjusted and stuff. Uh, so they're all, they're all fucking wacky, but I was completely <laughs> unconscious for those other ones. Cause that, that one had to go and they detach the muscle from your eyeball and they sew it back on. That's one of those and ones then you, have, you cannot be awake for that experience. And then you're walking around and you've got a suture string hanging out 
yeah. out your of your face. out from well, your eye. It's, it's adjustable, so they, that way they can go in and it sort of has two. It's kind of like shades, you know, where you got the two sides you can pull. Yeah. yeah. So because you go when you go back in for your, so you just you just got these sutures hanging out from outside of your eyes. Well, that's when they finish the surgery because when you're unconscious, you can't look at stuff, so you, they can't be like, "Hey, is there only one of that thing?" You know, right. so they have to then let you wake up. And then you go sit in a chair oh, and you look at a chart and then and then they pull and they take these little strings <laughs> and they and they ask you know how are you cross eyed and they're you know, pulling they're, these eye eye sutures yeah, you got to get oh. it just right uh, so that was it's pretty fucking so that rad. was a time yeah so, so I've I've had some stuff happen to my eyes but so you've had that and but then you go get LASIK that, and you're like that was unpleasant but it's fine <laughs> right yeah. Yeah, but despite that, I still can't even put in contacts. So I'm still that sensitive about, you know, I don't like having fingers near my eyeballs. I don't like putting eye drops in it, like any of that stuff. And still, it just wasn't was that fun. bad. And it's mostly okay. because they numb the fuck out of your eyeballs. Yeah. They that's. Just, and I think there, there are two keys. One is that happens. So you're just like, you don't actually feel, feel that anything. part yeah. um, at all, which is required. <laughs> this is cool. Well, this is good because but, you know, back in the pioneer days when they did LASIK, they yeah. didn't have anesthesia. Mm-hmm. So and they just they used just, an axe. They just used yep. an axe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a flashlight. I guess no, and a lantern with a. It was a, it was a guy. They, they just held an, they cut your cornea off with an axe, and then right. they hold an oil lamp. Yep. Sort of over your eye, and that was sort of like what they had for lasers back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. no, no anesthesia. So yeah, it wasn't a very reliable procedure. Also, you died at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was the same for every surgery back then. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Like, now we're gonna need to take, do. We're it? gonna need to take you for surgery. Now you will die. Yeah, but we're this gonna is, do it anyway. But this is just to kind of see. Was there a there's a there was a triple mortality rate case? from like the 1800s for yeah, someone. Yeah, where everybody died. You know, the doctor. The, the, doctor <laughs> the doctor, the assistant, and the patient all died because the doctor amputated the patient's, like a patient's leg or something like that so fast that he cut He cut his, his own leg. And then he also cut his uh, assistant. Both of them died from infection. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how it was back then. Yeah. yeah. As know? bad as medicine is now. It's not that it's bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> no. No, no, it's not. <laughs> but I think, but the other key, because we talked about user experience with my last surgery, where mm-hmm. with the robot getting its hands in my guts, right? And there was aspects of the, about, about that that weren't great. Um, with like this the one, huge, horrifying like spider a huge horrifying robot, and they're like, "That's going to be in you." Yeah, and the shortly. whole being crucified bit and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, but this one was much less of that. But the key was because you, they didn't let you see anything. So, yeah. so you come in and you lay on the table. And that's all fine, right? You kind of get your head adjusted. You're not but wearing your glasses, so you can't see shit in general <laughs> already. <true>. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, all, but all you do see, because there's nothing, there aren't any instruments visible. All you see is the machine that you're in, which doesn't even, it doesn't even look intimidating. It just, it's kind of yeah. kind of got these big, not even arms, just big bulbs kind of coming up. And that's it. You, so you just don't see anything. And then you lay down and the first thing they do is tape one of your eyes closed. That's the first thing that happens. They should so have now, done that with that spider thing too. They should have. <laughs> taped your eyes closed. <laughs> they, absolutely, they absolutely should have. So, so now you're only looking out of one eye. And then very quickly they put the you know the device over you and it shines a light right into your eyeball because that's the thing you have to focus on. And now you can't see anything except for that. So all of a sudden you're in this weird almost VR experience. So you're mostly you know? blind at so you're blind of darkness in one eye and yeah. brightness in the other. Yeah. Eye. So you just can't tell what's happening. And then later you can see now. Yeah. And then you walk out and I mean the so the experience itself there, there's a there's a, a period in there that's very uncomfortable, but it doesn't last very long. It doesn't hurt. It's just real uncomfortable. So, so you're just like, so I you hate just this. Gotta, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just got to get through that. And then on the other side, it's like, okay, it's, everything is fine now, you know? Uh, and then the first couple hours afterwards, we're basically mm-hmm. sort of 
everything steams. A lot of burning sensation and, and immense eye-watering. So I, I tried to nap through it and was unsuccessful. But I did get my pillow very wet. <laughs> so I had that. <laughs> I didn't water as much as yours did. They, they were fine after that. But those first two hours, it was... The apparatus they had taped to your face just made me laugh. Cause, so afterwards, <laughs> Adam Adam comes out. He comes out to the waiting room. He's very chipper. Just yeah, just chill. But his eye, I could kind of they they taped this weird fucking thing. It was kind of like giant bulbous goggles, but yeah. but that had holes poked in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that weren't actually goggles. So they were taped to my face. They didn't have any kind of an ear mount, and they yeah, yeah they were just taped to your face. But and the reason like, is because I'm supposed to sleep with those. Yeah. And so at night I tape them back to my face because that way you can kind of roll over and not punch yourself in the eyes or not take them off. I don't. Right? I don't think that is that does that work? Is it's that pretty working? effective. I hate it. <laughs> so I think, and I think that's that's a key component of the experience. You know, they're like, how can we make sure that you on? hate this? You know, you well, can sleep in it, but also sort of like in a hate filled kind of a. Sleep. Yeah, but if they're glasses, then you just knock them off in your sleep. You know, even if they're goggles, like I think you just get in there. But if it's actually taped to your face, it's just, yeah, it's just a different. You just can't get in there. It's a different experience. Mm. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, so I also this weekend did something just totally crazy. What I, is this? I started. Started taking piano lessons. Nice. <laughs> was, was it also it? very uncomfortable? Yeah, I was gonna say. No, it was it was fine. Um, but but this is something that I think most people will find if you're an adult and you go to learn something. For some reason, adults don't go learn things generally. True. Right? People who go learn things are kids because mm-hmm. their parents are like, "Listen, I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to make my kid do this." Mm-hmm. Right? I, you're going to be better than me. Yeah. You, as a parent, you say, you're going to learn piano because I didn't. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, you don't also say, but I'm going to. You just say, that I'm done now. That part <laughs> of my life is over and it's never going to mm-hmm. happen. I've resigned to this. So instead, I'm going to live vicariously through my children, have my kids take piano lessons. Which means every private instructor, piano, guitar, art, you know, what, whatever it is, works almost exclusively with children. Mm-hmm. That's true. And <laughs> And children... Don't want to be there. They yeah. they fidget. They aren't there by choice. Mm-hmm. They don't want to practice either. You know, they want to go outside and throw rocks at things mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, kids do. Right. And, uh, so you, and you can't give them hard stuff right off the right you can't off, You can't right give them hard the stuff even ever. Yeah. You, know, you, you know, they're not there. They to haven't be, had enough of that to understand that it's just a thing that they can do. Yeah. Right. And so uh, so I'm, I, I can tell that there's going to be a little bit of a battle for me to get this instructor to actually like push me mm-hmm, in, a, yeah. in any kind of a meaningful way. So I'm gonna have to probably push myself early because uh, she gave me three songs to practice, which I'm pretty sure I'm going to blow through these things in like 15 seconds a pop, right? <laughs> because that's about how long of songs they are. Yeah, and they only have three quick. notes each. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just like, doo, 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 you know, just yeah. that kind of a thing. Uh, so I'm going to get a practice book. I'm going to start going through those things. I got to kind of race ahead so I can come back and say, all right, here's where I am now. Set the pace. Let's, yeah, I got, yeah. I got to set up a pace. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting, and Sam, you said you had kind of a similar experience with yeah, some with art, art stuff yeah, as well. So, so I'd gotten a, a sort of an art tutor every two weeks, kind of check in on and, and show her my works, and then she would give me some assignments and stuff. And, and she also worked primarily with kids or high school students. And so um, that was a big part of it was just sort of uh, getting to that point where it took about two lessons or so before I think we had communicated enough where I was like, you can give me either some hard stuff to do or like a vague enough direction and I'll just sort of fill it out. So one of them was like, okay, you know, go do this, uh, like do these face tracings to figure out where the, you know, where the features go on the face. Um, and I did, you know, a page of them and you know, it took 20 minutes or so. 
which normally as a, ch- as a child would be like, great, that's my work for the I, whole uh, week. Ooh, that was so much I work. I practiced. I'll be back in two weeks. <laughs> yep. uh, but then in the course of doing that, I was like, I don't actually know how to draw eyeballs. So then I'd go and do like three hours of eyeball tutorials from watching YouTube videos or finding stuff on DeviantArt or whatever else and then show up the next week. And so I'd have like the one exercise I was told to do. And then like 15 hours of page, And then, yeah, and then a couple <laughs> pages of other stuff. Um, and so it was really interesting. And I think it is, it is a weird thing that adults don't tend to go get tutelage. Yeah. Well, as, as I was as I was pondering this uh, yesterday when I was going through my my piano songs, um, I stumbled across a Saturday morning like you know that Saturday morning breakfast cereal comic. Mm-hmm. You can just hit the random button. Yeah, it's always good. It's always good, and I, I just hit the random button, and the first one that popped up was this parent talking to their child. Mm. You like, listen, it is imperative that between the ages of zero and eighteen you learn as much as possible about as broad of a range of things as we can fit in, right? Mm-hmm. Now, between the ages of 18 and 22, it's crucial that you learn about a very narrow and specific set of things and nothing else, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> so for your career, and then from ages 22 onward, the most important thing is that you only learn the bare minimum number of things to make sure you don't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the kid's like, I don't understand. Uh, did people start out this way or did we just go insane <laughs> over time? <laughs> so I don't know. I was just kind of reflecting on that. I'm like, yeah, you know, why don't, why don't people sign up for, a, you know, a, as adults mm-hmm. say, I want to learn to draw and just like, just call up a teacher and just sit start down and yeah, just do it. You yeah. know? Yep. I don't know. I don't know. And yeah. And of course here I am like, this is the first time I've done it as an adult. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. So like, like it just doesn't occur to yeah. you that you could just do these things. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, otherwise in the news, we've got something big coming. It's the Shenana Jam, mm-hmm. the Butterscotch Shenana Jam. It is a game jam. It's coming on June eight. It is a forty-eight hour, well, slightly longer than forty-eight. You know, just because we're because we're being generous, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be using goosey so that people on the other side of the planet can participate. Yeah, time zones get weird. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so I think fifty-ish hour. I think we're starting it at seven p.m. Central Time. Because even in the mm-hmm. even in the U.S., you know that means it's already eight p.m. on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, people are just getting off work. It's, it's like, five o'clock. Right? It's like five in the morning on the West Coast. I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> and in Australia, it's tomorrow. It's, this is all very confusing. Somewhere yeah. it's yesterday. How? Yeah, you know, we don't know. We don't really know how these <laughs> things work. Uh, so we just picked an arbitrary time and date. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's happening on June eighth, and all the information is at shenanajam.com, and you can just sign up straight through there. We've got something like 150 people signed up so far. My assumption is that we're going to have over 500 people Let's by the by the date. My assumption is that we're going to have a thousand people. So I'm still correct. Yes. So nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Over 500. This is a price is right situation. Yeah, this is a, yeah. yeah. No, I mean exactly 1,000. Exactly 1,000. And I do get bonus points if we get it because I was, you know, my, my choice was closer. That's I true. More. You're, that's a riskier target to go for. Yep. I'm putting uh, it all on the line for this one. All right. So people just sign up until uh, we hit 1,000 and then just stop. Just mm-hmm. go away. If, yep. if you're number 1,001, just don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, all right. So first question of the day from podcast.bscotch.net. Uh, if you'd like to get your question on a future episode, you can get over there and ask it. So first question comes from CC Tech Wiz, who says, B-bros, that's us, mm-hmm. B-bros, do you have any suggestions to prepare your bodies, fingers, brains, or any other appendages for the upcoming Shenanigan Jam? 
P.S. It will be the first game jam I've built up the guts to do. Ah, yes. Welcome. The first jam is a magical one. It is. I think the the only important thing to do before jamming is to take a little tour through your tools that you're going to use. Because just make sure you know, make sure that they are installed. Yeah, get everything installed. Get all your licenses run. up to date. Uh, go through your tutorials. Go through a few tutorials for everything. Um, so just for some for historical context, the first jam that I ever did, I didn't know I was going to do until the day before because I had organized it for a job and only like three people had signed up to, sh- to, to be there. Yeah. Including my boss. This was the first, <laughs> this was the first St. Louis game jam. Yeah. And so, and I knew only one of the other people was a programmer and one of them was an artist, which meant that there was just going to be a game, right? So the night before I was like, I can double the output of this jam. If I we could have two games come out of this. If jam. I somehow can, I guess, make a game this weekend. So that's when I downloaded Game Maker and that kind of ended up being what I sent to Seth and, and set us off on our course currently. Uh, so what I did was I just did, I think maybe an hour and a half or two of tutorials through there. Yeah. It just comes with a whole bunch of tutorials. Yeah. On how built to build in. Stuff. And I, I ended up making at the end of the weekend, a, a top down shooter. It was the first game I made. And I it liked was like, it. It was called the blame game where you go and you sort of like cause mayhem in the neighborhood. Yeah. You have to like tip over old people yeah. uh, and, uh, <laughs> and baby carriages. And, and your stuff. character is just like pointing a finger. And then you, you just sort of like press the, the mouse button and blame shoots to out. shoot blame out of your finger Which onto just, other people. It's just a red projectile with a B on it. You know? Yeah. Yep. So you just do bad things to accumulate sort of guilt and, and, and then, then you shoot blame out of your finger. And then there's some people <laughs> who are also pointing at you because they're trying to blame you. Right, people are trying to blame you for stuff because you so, did do it. Yeah. And you got to blame them first. Otherwise, uh, you right. Because the fr- as as we all know <laughs> in the justice system, the first person to get blamed for something is the culprit. It sticks. So, it's very sticky. I think sticks. that's true, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think uh, the, the only thing you need is really just do that tour, you know, set aside you know, maybe two hours over the next month to make sure that you go over your, your licenses, go over your installs for all your programs um, and try a few tutorials and stuff like that. Yeah. Just so that when you enter in, you're not completely confused by the structure of the of the engine that you're working in or whatever else. And you can actually start making games. Well, there's one other thing, which is at least as important, which is make sure your life is in order. Oh, uh, yes. Weekend. So get, get your significant others, friends, Pets, whatever. Get everything on board mm-hmm. so they know that this is coming. Check your mail. Check your mail. Pay your bills. Mm-hmm. Do all the things. It's like going on vacation, right? The, the whole joke about vacation is everyone gets their life into like a really good spot for the first time in months before they go on vacation, right? Right. Because you, don't want, you, you don't want those things to be lingering on your mind when you're, you know, sipping pina coladas exactly. in the but tropics. You'll, you'll happily let them linger on your mind every other day of the year for some yep. reason. Yeah. So, so just take care of all your stuff the week before. And let people know. Yes. Also, if you can, you know, find a buddy, grab a friend. Even if they've never done it before, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you can experience it for the first time together. Um, let's see what else. Oh, we also have at shenanajam.com. Yeah, we, we do have loads of tips. Yeah, we got tons of information. We have we have a fact. We have recommended tools and stuff to do. Um, but I think I think the most important tip that we can give about jamming is that you can make a fun game out of anything. So don't don't spend all day trying to design the perfect game. Mm-hmm. Uh, just come up with something that just sounds weird or whatever, and just just see if you can make it go. You know, and th- things that are much more action oriented are a lot easier for jams. Whereas things like turn based strategy is very hard. Yep. Things that are simulation or basically or that it, require an entire story. Yeah, um, yeah. So so things where you know like. Basically think about old school games like, you know, Pong and Centipede and Space Invaders. Mm-hmm. Like those are 
sort of like arcade style games. Those are great kinds of games to make in a jam because they're all about just basically they're just about things banging into other things, Mm -hmm. which is very easy to program. And you can get that into a really fun state very early and then you can kind of polish it up later. So, uh, so that's what we have. And yeah, and if you want more information, just go to shenanajam.com and there's tons and tons of stuff there. All right. Next question comes from Flabsy. When did we all agree on being called shenanites? (laughs) What happened to the creative variety in the podcast show notes? Who the hell voted in favor of shenanites? Hashtag team shenanigang. That's a good one too. So this is Uh a, it wasn't creative variety so much as we just didn't know what to (laughs) say. So we just made shit up sort of on the regular Mm -hmm. about what to call our listeners and our players. Yeah. There's this idea of, of, you know, like consistency. Which we which we of, apparently had never heard of, <laughs> and uh, and apparently it's good for making people feel like they understand what the hell is going on, right? So if I call you right. the using gang, so we're using the same word to describe the same thing, exactly, uh-huh. then people so know what the thing is. If every week it's a different word to describe, which it was previously to describe the same group of people, then sometimes people don't even understand. What is happening? <laughs> us. And there was a long time where we co- where we just called our listeners B scotches, but then it's like, well, that's kind of who and we people are. Started calling us B scotches, right? Anyway. So that got confusing. Well, who's the B scotch? <laughs> and so I mean, maybe we're all B scotches, but then now we need a new word for ourselves. Uh-huh. So, so shenanigans just came from I was writing the first Ballyhoo, I think, or it was the second one. I don't even remember. It was the first. It was the first, first Ballyhoo, and I was like, I I had written basically I had done the exact same thing that we'd always done, which is over the course of this like six page, you know. Mini magazine. I called our group of players and fans. I think three or four different things, and then we were like, maybe, maybe let's not. We should not, <laughs> because it's very confusing. So we just picked up one. We just picked one. I oh. like shenanites because it has the word nanite in it, which is, which is really, which rad. is a little tiny robot that makes up sort of a collective, you know, mm-hmm. purpose, mm-hmm. right? So that that works pretty cool. I think. And a lot of our games feature robots, mm-hmm. which yep. is nice. And really, humans are just very wet robots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you think about it, That's true. <laughs> we just got these moist, sort of lobey, wrinkle things in our in our skull buckets, mm-hmm. and they do all the thinking. But yeah. you know, we're just but, robots. But it is an interesting question, though, about this sort of collective agreement of the term that is used, because mm-hmm. this term is being used not to describe us, yeah, but to describe everybody else. And we decided on that term, which then begs the question, you know, do people get to opt into that? Who's authority? You know? well, who's who's authority? A, who are we to say, you know, what the, what the name is? Here's the thing. Nobody stepped up, you That's know, true. and we, we had to, we had to get in there. Yeah. Where were you question asker back when Sam was writing the ballot here? Yeah. You know what to call it. Where was the change.org petition, yeah. you know, to make this. Uh-huh. So, you know, we had, there was a void. We had to step in yep. and do it. You know, nobody came in and, and we, we didn't, we didn't have believers, mm-hmm. you know, That's we didn't true. have, what, didn't I don't have know. a self-organizing entity, you know, sort of taking shape and naming itself and gaining sentience. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't happening. So we had to, we had to sort of do that mm-hmm. on our end. Yeah. And you know what, if somebody wants, if somebody wants a different name, they got to start the movement. Yeah. But I got yeah. something to fight against. Now you can gang. fight against the man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, raise your fist. Shenanigang. You, gang. Start a shenanigang and yeah, get out, get out in the streets with some, uh, you Picketing. know, some signs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, this is a, this is a, is an issue that's going to define our generation. Yep, I, think. I think so. And all future ones probably. 
Probably. <laughs> this is going to be a battle, some kind of a war that goes on for all you know, Maybe, maybe yeah. we'll have like a, a generation naming system, you know? So we'll have like the Shenana Gen Xers will be next. Yep. The Shenana Snake People. Snake people, Shenana Boomers. Um, those are the really old ones, you know, back right. in the day. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. And then we got. Uh, Isn't the baby boomer generation like a like a thirty? It's like years a 30, span? I feel like it's it's everybody. people who are like five years older than us, and then up, up until to, death. Yeah, just something like up that. until one hundred and twenty. They're like whatever. You guys count. Yeah. And the and the and the defining feature of the baby boomers is there's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? There's just a lot of them. There's a lot of them. They control the government. Everybody, sort of, everybody, the two defining features. Mm-hmm. Everybody came back from the war and they were like, let's make a lot of babies. And then they made a lot of babies for like 30 years. Yep. And apparently all those people are part of the same generation. Yeah. I don't, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And here's another question. Mm. Cause now I don't, so as a, as a 31 year old, mm-hmm. I don't really know how to talk to people who are 26. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause they're five years younger than me. And they had they had Facebook in high school. They're mm-hmm. Snapchatting. They're taking pictures of avocados and posting them on the internet for some reason. I don't know what they're you gotta up get to. Those sweet likes. Mm-hmm. And then you know you've got then like then there's 19 year olds and I don't even know what kind of universe they're living in. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. They grew up with iPads in their hands mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, uh, is it is it going to be the case that because of this sort of pace of of technological change? That we're going to need to start defining generations Every in, like, five years. in like three to five year Maybe. spans. It is definitely the case that the one I like to I like to think that I keep up to date with new technology and I have a sense of what the cool things are. You know what people are into. You're hip. You're cool. But, but yeah. There was a moment finally where all of a sudden it all fell apart, and that was <laughs> that was Snapchat. Yes. Where Snapchat came out, and I was like, Why would anybody want this? And then. <laughs> and then and then everybody's using everybody's it. like, I want this. Yeah, and they just fucking love this thing. And I'm like, I don't. What is that? Here's, here's what I think it is. Because I, I think as as you get older, you see you see trends rise and fall, right? Yeah. And so you're seeing now sort of the the slow decline of, of Facebook, right? Like once everybody's parents got on Facebook, everybody was like, nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then Facebook is like, by the way, we sold all your data uh-huh. to literally everybody. Yep. Uh, and you totally agreed to that. But it like, wasn't that that I got people that. off Facebook. It was the fact that their parents were on Facebook. Let's be real. Yeah, nobody cared about the privacy no. breaches because we, yeah. all, we all agreed to that. We all agreed that that was something we totally wanted to happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it did. <laughs> what, we, what we didn't want was, you know, our great aunt commenting on our, on our spring break pictures. Mm-hmm. You know. No. She's like, you look great. You, you look, look great, great Sonny. Looking good. <laughs> <laughs> looking good. <laughs> While you're doing a keg stand. Yep. You know, uh, that's. Ah, youth. Youth. <laughs> but anyways, so I mean, you, so you see these things come and you're like, oh, and you, like, you put so much time into it because when you're, when you're younger, everything new is, seems like, just seems like the most important thing. I remember being so excited when Gmail came out, you know? I was so fucking pumped. Was, yeah, and every time I'm like new, an evangelist. Yeah, every time know? a new Google product rolled out, like when I remember using Google Wave. Yeah, remember that shit? Uh, yeah, it's, we were all it about did. it. It's totally dead. They oh, just yeah. they just <laughs> killed it. They were like, "This is terrible." Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know that I've been there. I know that I've tried out all those things, you know. But but I think the interesting point about it's like Gmail took off and is a market dominating force, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Google Wave did it, and I remember I was excited about it, and then only used it for like an hour because I was like this. Is not anything that I want. Very strange. But but I so I still get surprised that when something like Snapchat takes over because I still I just there's something there's something fundamental about it that 
people are into that I don't understand. Right? I think it's one of those things that you have to, it's kind of like playing, we've talked about playing new video games before, right? Where at this point we've, we've all played video games so much that you step into and a new one. we study them day by day. Yeah, you step into a new one and most of the time you'll play it for like 20 to 30 minutes and then you're like, I get it. I see where this is going. And then you do the mental calculus of like, okay, is this, should I continue? Maybe I'll just go do something else now because I kind of understand what's going to happen. Yep. And I think that kind of happens with new tech too. But I think the big part is actually if you spend, spend like get past that initial sort of curmudgeon hump, you know, to get, to get to a point where you spent maybe like an hour on Snapchat, like at once. I have spent an hour on Snapchat. You have? I just couldn't. Well, but so did, you like, did you use the, uh, like the beautiful fairy filter on your face and become an adorable? I did not. Do that. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Well, that, that was but, the key. But the filters the, are incredible. Yeah. But the problem is, because also as you get older, you kind of realize that sometimes you get burned by these things. Yeah. You know? And like I was super into reading stuff on Reddit for a while. Mm-hmm. Like when I, like I think it was maybe 2010 or something like that. I think it was around the time that that Congress was trying to pass the Stop Online Piracy Act, which was mm-hmm. really basically like a sort of a fucked up net neutrality oh, thing. Soap, SOPA. SOPA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so all of Reddit was going crazy about this. And I had just been reading stuff in the news. And then I sort of started reading about SOPA on Reddit. And then that kind of led to finding other communities on there and stuff. But the more time I spent on there, the more I realized that there's also a, a real dark side to this, mm-hmm. right? Because content gets shown based on how comfortable it is to people. And so you can't just have an honest conversation unless you turn it into some kind of a clever meme, you know, some kind of an Mm -hmm. image macro. Um, And people just mostly want to see things that make them feel good and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I kind of realized after a while, I'm like, this is actually bad for me, Mm -hmm. you know? And same thing with Facebook, you know, it it just kind of pulls you in. And there's all these studies about how people who – who spend a lot of time on Facebook end up depressed. Yeah, it's you not. Know? It's not actually good for you. It's not good for yeah. you. Yeah, and so so when pe- so when all these new technologies come up, you're like, oh, it's so fucking great. I get to like look at pictures of Dwayne Johnson all day on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, but but now you're gonna be you? worried about <laughs> how big your guns are. Yeah, well, that, Dwayne, it, it's know? actually the case that the technologies that I like the most are the ones that have made themselves need my time the least. You know, yeah, so where you I can love, go to them when you need them. Right. So yeah. so. I, I continually I continue to love Gmail even more because then they came out with inbox where I can I can snooze emails and all this other mm-hmm. stuff now. So then now I am I actually just kind of forget that I even have email now because I, I get to interface with it in such a controlled way where it actually just doesn't it's not bothering me. It's not like it's not begging me to go look the at it. The tool is, has been turned into an actual tool for you instead of yeah. it using you, which yeah. is the difference. Yeah, it's not an entertainment product, it's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. And so so I I, I don't know. I think as as I get older and the more that I've, you know, it, with a lot of these technologies as they first come out, you're just super fucking pumped about all the possibilities, you know, become a celebrity on Instagram mm-hmm. and like get millions of followers on Twitter. And, and then the reality of what these things really do sinks in, which is they they turn your attention into a commodity that's to be resold. Or right? what they require. I think that's the other piece too, because it's like, so say Huge you want to- Yeah, say you want to do the Twitter thing or the Instagram thing. Um, there's been plenty of people who have like Instagram uh, followings or whatever else who then, you know, do some sort of reveal where they're like, okay, so here's what my life is actually like, right? Because it just looks amazing. And then they talk about it. They'll just go talk about it for a couple minutes. And there, there's plenty of these videos on YouTube to check out. And they're, they're basically just talking about how hard it is because you have to sort of be always ready or you have like a lot of your life is sort of uh, staged in some yeah. way or another. And and I remember there was there was a time, around the time that we first started expanding the studio and stuff and we got the new office. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we need to, we need to like build up an Instagram presence. We need to build up a Twitter presence. 
for some reason. And so we started, we, so all of a sudden it felt like we were on this weird ass reality show. Like anytime somebody said something funny, mm-hmm. it was like, Ooh, yeah, we got to qu- quickly uh, say that again. So I can tweet that out yep. or whatever. Right. <laughs> yep. And it, everything just becomes weirdly forced. I don't know. I hated it. Well, it just slowed, it. it actually slowed down everything. So it did. Yeah. Cause you have yeah. to, you backtrack or you hang on. Let me, let me record this real quick. You know, do it again. Yeah. And so you can see there's a brief, like if you go to our, I think we still have an Instagram. It, it does exist. If you go there, you'll see there's like a two, two month span where we had a various like videos and pictures. And then we just were like, I don't know. I don't want to <laughs> do this anymore. Um, I just want to live my life and not turn it into a mm-hmm. fucking reality show, you know? All right. Anyways. So I hope that answered whatever the question was. <laughs> Next question comes from Durantis. Could you share your thoughts on a password-free internet, not just Rumpus, uh, were others to follow suit? Compromised emails can already get people into passworded accounts, so this makes sense, but most services are adding layers, uh, not removing them. So MMS verification, two-factor authentication, et cetera. So, so let's just let's unpack this real quick. Yeah. Because the big question here is, uh, is what is a password? What is it for? And what's the reality of the situation we find ourselves and what in today? Is, and what is a password-free yes. login experience? Yes. So I think a password is just supposed to be something. It's like it's like your your lock. It's just a secret. It's supposed to just be a secret that you got. It's a key that you use mm-hmm. to open up your dreams. Amazing. <laughs> and the thing is, when you only have like one or two passwords, you're in good shape because you only have one or two of them, and usually they're a unique thing. You meaning you? You mean when you only have one or two accounts? That need passwords. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, because yes. essentially what happens is on the internet, because every single service requires its own accounts for a very good reason, which is to have your, whatever your appropriate data is locked down. Uh, most people, and probably a lot of people who are listening, actually just have like maybe one to three passwords that they sort of they rotate. They just reuse. You rotate and reuse them. Uh, and so what's supposed to be a very secure system actually becomes in a, like a more and more fragile system, the more accounts you have, because most people use the same passwords for all their accounts. So yeah. what will happen is, Say you sign up for like a, I don't know, a Twitter account. And then Twitter, as they posted last week, just reveals that they had kind of maybe just been leaving your passwords. In a plain text file. In a plain text file. And it was basically completely plain text in their log files. Yeah, which means someone could just get it. If somebody had hacked them, which, and they said they have no reason to believe that that happened. No, actually, I wouldn't be worried about hacking, but it does mean that any Twitter employee who had access to those logs could see Could just see all your passwords, yeah. And, and if so, you're reusing that password for your bank account right. or and this, for whatever. And this is where the, the, the problem comes in is because you end up having this, uh, you know, weakest link situation where maybe you just like sort of do a throwaway sign up on, I don't know, some online shopping website and use the same password that you use for maybe and your Gmail account, username or your bank, maybe the same username. And then someone gets it and they just do a quick, you know, let's just try to match these up in a couple of different banks. Remember that usernames are also passwords. Yes. You know, it's sort of like well, you're, you're the combo of it's your the username. First part. And your password. They're just two secrets, actually, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the username, we've basically been trained to not have be something secret, right? It's right. That, so when you go on Twitter, your username is just publicly yeah. viewable, and that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. My, like, so the, the usernames I have on all my news sites, like my new bank account and all this kind of stuff, my username is also a random string. So I actually just use two passwords to get into my nice. contact. Because the fact is, those are passwords. So there's, yeah. And there's no reason to have your username uniquely identify you unless it is useful for the service that you're using. Right. And so essentially what's happened is that because of these, this account proliferation that we've had, where we get more and more tech and more and more cool stuff people want to sign up for, whether it's Snapchat or Instagram, whatever else. Or Rumpus. Or Rumpus. You just have so many accounts bound to you as a person that it's much easier for you as a, as a human being to just say, this is my username. 
I remember what that is all the time or my email address. And this is like the two passwords that I use. Yeah. My so, username is always LegolasXX420XXSteve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's always my username. People try to do this all the time, right? They're like, <laughs> the, the, we get we get questions about this from BScotchID and people trying to rename themselves because they're like changing all of their user handles, right? Yeah. And so uh, what has been happening uh, in the last couple of years in particular because of a lot of more security concerns is that these companies that do a thing called uh, password management yeah. is the idea. Um have become much more popular. So we all use uh, uh, one of these, basically a single password system that you create one of those passwords that you can actually remember, a big master password that's like really intense and long. And then this site actually is the thing that stores a bunch of just garbled nonsense, huge strings that are your passwords and then plugs in automatically. So in other words, none of us know our passwords to anything. But we still have. So if somebody caught one of us yeah. and they were torturing us and they were like, I need to know the password to your bank account, we'd be like, I can't. I literally but then have they would no say, idea. But I need to know the password to your last pass account. We'd be like, oh, shit. Oh, that's not, that's <laughs> not I guess good. now you just have all my things. <laughs> now you have every password. So, uh, so we were looking at this and then we were also trying to just figure out what the best user experience was. Because a lot of our users who are going to be uh, making heavy use of Rumpus are going to be coming from inside of a game. And one of the, the biggest support requests we get from Bscotch ID is people just don't know what their password is anymore. Because, of course, you log in maybe six months ago. They buy the game and log in. Mm-hmm. Set up your password. That's it. And they never log well, in they again. forget their username and they forget their password. They've just been logged in for a yeah, year. Yeah. And so the question was, can we make it so that that is just not a problem? Well, and further, people use throwaway email addresses for all kinds of stuff. Yep. And and because for for these kinds of things, you have to be able to prove that you own an account, right? Because mm-hmm. if you lose access to it and can't prove that it was yours then what's the, what's the person running the company or whatever supposed to do, right? And so that was, we had this as a, as a support request that was driving me nuts where people would be like, oh yeah, I used a, uh, one of those 24-hour email accounts to set up my Bscotch ID because I didn't want your spam, which we don't, I, we don't even send anybody anyway. And then and I played Crashlands for 12 hours right. and now I want to move my save over to this other email. Right, and I'm like, you, but I can't, you can't prove to me that this email address yeah. is yours, right? About, because email address no. still, yeah. So just, so I just have to say no. And so by. This is why there's a thing called email verification. Right. That's, that's a whole we, fucking We purpose. need to be able, like if you, if you're agreeing to terms to use our products, we need to be able to send you information or get information from you in case of a problem. Yeah. Right. That's why, that's why terms those, are updated or whatever. Yeah. That's why those things are there. Yeah. So, uh, and there was a, there was also a moment back with Bscotch ID that just kind of stuck in my brain. Mm. where I got a support request I was dealing with that was very confusing, but the root of it all turned out to be that two users had nearly the same username and exactly the same password. <laughs> just, <laughs> just two, two random their fucking password people. was probably something like password. Yeah, it was something real admin, easy. Yep, or yep. whatever. It was something real easy. I don't know what it was. I just know it was something real easy because I, I asked if it was like a very simple password like and I gave or some one, examples. Or one, two, three, 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 four, five. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was something like that. Yeah. And so so the, so the then I had this weird case where somebody had logged into somebody else's account and like and was then very confused because they were like, this isn't where I was in the game and all this stuff. <laughs> and so, so, so that they happened. mistyped their own username right. but in a way that they exactly typed the other person's username. Yeah. And put their normal password in. Because it was, you know, like adding an S to the end or something. Who knows? Right. So, Man. so, so it's. That's so, a weak ass password. Yeah, so here's the thing. <laughs> Passwords are enormously secure when you have a different one for everything. And it's completely random gibberish. Mm-hmm. Uh, however. And it's long. And it's, and it's long. Yeah. Uh, however, people realistically, almost nobody does that. Yeah, because from a, from a t- statistical standpoint, can't remember. But not even that. People like almost nobody uses LastPass yeah. or other password managers, right? I get some people do. 
Probably some of our listeners do. Uh, but remember, you're not representative mm-hmm. of the of the. I mean, world. it's even going to be the case that Twitter sending that email saying, "By the way, we totally just fucking told your password to everybody." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would put even money on maybe five percent yeah. tops of their of people That's changing. That's pretty generous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and these are like the people who won't change their passwords in response to the email are still going to be the people who have used that same password for their bank account, for <laughs> yeah. their utility yep. bills, for their everything. So in other words, it's a huge sort of general vulnerability. Yeah. That by and, a, and it's a function of people. It's, yeah, it's sort of right. a mismatch between people and tech. People really. and tech where, where it, it's just a real problem. People have to be able to uniquely identify themselves. And, and the only way to do that is to have some unforgeable thing, right? And so in the real world, that's, that's, you know, some identifying piece of paper that has some stamps on it that have holograms or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we use in the real world. And that, and that doesn't work very well either. In the digital space, we don't have that. And so we have to have something digital that uniquely represents a person. And the, the only thing we came up with that I think is really the only reasonable, viable, reasonable strategy that, that's also within the technical limits of that we've all been under for decades is just a secret. Because it's, it's only in your brain. Your brain came up with it. Nobody mm-hmm. else could possibly know it. It's a perfect way to, to uniquely identify yourself. However, that's realistically, that's not how people use passwords. They use them because they just want to get access to the tech. Mm-hmm. And so they go with the most convenient, most the easiest to remember things. They don't want to forget their password. Uh, they start, Actually, I was, I, was in a, I was in Crate, no, whatever, some, some shop this weekend. Crate and Barrel or something? Not Crate and Barrel, the container store. Mm. Something about, up, something about boxes. Something about fucking boxes. So, uh, so, <laughs> Barrels, so, crates, so, containers. So my wife and I are in there. I'm walking up to the counter, and, I, and they have their little, you know, impulse buys on, mm-hmm. the, on the thing. So they got, they got like weed. They got, they got all, <laughs> kinds of, all kinds of delicious stuff. They got chocolate. Uh, they got, what else they got? Ice skates. Just mm-hmm. all ice those, skates. Yeah, that's that's a top. All that shit where you're just one. like, yeah, I do. I, do, I feel a little ice skate. <laughs> I do want to get stoned. But one skating. of the things that they had was a notebook <laughs> for passwords. Its whole purpose was to write down all your passwords in it. And I was looking at this and I was this like, is the worst this is idea. the worst idea that is even <laughs> could possibly exist. And here this is just being sold to people as a good idea because this is, this is how little people understand. You can, pay, you can pay money to make yourself extremely vulnerable. Even more vulnerable. Great. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's so yeah, a service. So, so this is a, this is a serious, serious mismatch between the reality of how people behave and the needs of uniquely identifying people to keep them secure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but here's the thing, we can't have a password-free system, at least, ever, actually ever, but some, a, pa- a password is just a unique identifier of a person. Uh, what that actually is is going to change shape over time. We've got like FaceTime, right? But mm-hmm. of course, FaceTime turns, or not FaceTime, Face Unlock, whatever Face Apple thing recognition is. Face Rec thing. Soul gazing. Soul gazing. But those things are typically actually like, uh, typically racist and sexist because they're only trained on white men data mm-hmm. sets, you know? So like, that's not very good passwords. Uh, we've got, We've got biometrics of various sorts, yeah, like thumbprints of things, but it turns out that, you know, we discovered after people started doing real science that fingerprints aren't actually that great uh, when it comes to uniquely identifying people. So, And they're easy to fake. And they're easy to fake. So we or you still, can just chop off someone's thumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just yeah. got you you a ring of thumbs. You don't need the person. You just need yeah. their thumb. Just, but, here's, <laughs> but, but this is the craziest thing to me of all of this stuff. thumb ring. Is that there's, there's actually no way to prove you are who you say you are. There's yeah. no way to do it. Well, Especially is, if you're under the age of 18. There is. Because yes, now you can't even legally agree to stuff. There is, but it's only through existing in a place for a long period of time physically. But even that, how do I know they haven't been swapped out, you know? I like, mean. With somebody who just like, beyond, got, some, like, got some surgery. This does, this does remind me, I was listening to, uh, I think it was one of, the, one of the NPR podcasts. They were talking about, it was like Radio Lab or something. They are talking about, there's a certain, there's a very small subset of people in the United States who 
sort of, you know, they, they go, they try to fight against the man. You know, mm-hmm. they, they don't, they want to be off the grid. And so when they have kids, they will, they will bribe uh, any medical professionals who participate in the birth to not log any birth certificates because they're, they're, they're like, setting up their kids for an easy future. Right. Mm. And so, and so they'll, they'll homeschool their kids. Uh, they will never take their kids to a hospital. They won't get them vaccinated. You know, they basically any, anything that would require any kind of record keeping at all, they will keep them away from it because they want their children to live a free life as a sovereign citizen. Mm. And so of course what ends up happening then is these kids can't do anything. They turn 18 and they're like, I want to go get a job. And they're like, we, you can't now. You can't, you have no GPA, yep. you have no Don't have a driver's record, license, you can't drive and you can't get any of those things because you have no birth certificate, you have no social security number, mm-hmm. you're just totally off the grid. And every single one of the government institutions who uses these, or, or like who, who, where you get a driver's license or whatever, they all rely on each other yeah. to prove that you exist. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have any of it, then there's, there's stuck. actually no, there's no legal recourse that you can have. Hmm. Cause even if you come into the country, say like as an illegal immigrant, uh, you still have records from your home country right. of where you're from. Right. And so, so you're, you're not even an immigrant. Although here's a question. Because you're from nowhere. If you are a right? sovereign, uh, quote unquote, sovereign citizen, so that you have nothing identifies that you even exist. And then you go to some other country, Right. So you're now an illegal immigrant. But you, you got you got to go there on foot because you can't get a plane ticket. Yeah, yeah sure. You can't but, but, let's get a say, but let's say you do that now, <laughs> yeah. right? How do they deport you? They can't. They can't deport you. So where do you go? Just you Nowhere. just go to jail now for forever. But they can't put you in jail because they don't even have your name. They can't process you your paperwork. That's true. They, like the, you're just completely outside of every system, right? So so this comes back to this whole like, how do you prove that somebody is who they say they are? Mm. Because of course, this person in the in the story that they, who they followed, you know, had tons and tons of of witnesses, like the grandmother was there when she was born and like everything was written down and all that stuff, but there's no official records of anything. Right. No paper trail. Yeah. So it's pro- having somebody prove who they say they are, who they say they are is. It's a key to actually like all of the society. It's all, work, everything is right? just connected. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, the, but the reason that there's no foolproof way is because other people steal identities. Yes. Correct. So Again, like and we once, talk they, about and once they get one piece of it, then it's easier to get another yeah, piece of it. All piece. Up. Yeah, we talk about a lot how there are people who don't allow us to have nice things, you mm-hmm. know, and this is those are those people. <laughs> those are those people. Uh, but yeah, so we can't actually have a password free system. But password what, in the sense of a unique identifier. Some but what we unique can identifier do, that only, but, but again, the key is that somehow it has to be attached to you or mm-hmm. only you have, somebody else can't use it. That, that's the key. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And so either it's a physical thing, right? Or it's a, uh, some property of your physical being that hopefully will never change and is also hopefully unique among 7 billion people. Uh, but that, you know, I don't, I don't know. I stretch. feel like that's a far stretch. So what, what do we, we do? So what we do instead is we minimize, we, we try to, we try to make it so that there's less vulnerability by having so many fucking points of entry. Right. So we just use your email address. So we just use your email address. Cause we basically say it is your response. We, we just decide, right. Cause I think a lot of companies try to make it their responsibility to make sure that people behave properly, mm-hmm. right, and that are and are being behaving securely and so on. And uh, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't I don't want to I don't want to please people. Send you an security. email every seven days. Be like, hey, your password is still password one two three. Password one two three. Yeah, really not good. Could you please not? Because then you're gonna get breached. Yep. And then finally, the person's like, fine, one two three four. <laughs> Which is You're exactly like, what they do. Not what I meant. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. So, so I, so we just don't want to. We don't want to deal with this additional security theater, right? Or the it, customer support of everybody forgetting their passwords all right. day, every day. So, so we figured it'd be, it's a, it's an easy policy just to say we need an email address anyway, 
Mm-hmm. And so an email address is what uniquely identifies your account, which means then to us that access to that email address is what proves that you own the account. If somebody else gets access to your email, this is their account now. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. <laughs> because Because that's how it would have worked anyway. Because that's how it would have worked anyway. Because they can use your email address to reset your password. Yeah. And then they- how can we tell? Otherwise, the burden is so high because we'd have to like be getting you know, legal documents of various sorts and all this other stuff, which, you know, we're not. And then we, then do. sovereign citizens can't sign up for our exactly. accounts, which is bad. Mm-hmm. There's like eight of them. Just yeah. another way it works is you just, you just log in with, which is log in with Rumpus. You either provide your email or use uh, Twitter, Gmail, or. Uh, it's only, only Gmail and Discord. Gmail and Discord. Or Google and Discord. Um, and then so you just click it and then you just go to your email and you click a button. It's like, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to get in there right now. Yep, this is me. And then it logs you in. Yep, that's, that's it. Yeah, no passwords, so, nothing. But it doesn't mean that you have to keep your email secure, but you already had to anyway. Right yeah, so, so so we figured, let's just not. Can yeah. we not? Can we just not have passwords? Mm-hmm. Yes, we cannot. Yep, we so. had the courage <laughs> to remove to passwords. Remove passwords. Pretty soon we'll also remove your email address from this <laughs> somehow. Yeah. We'll probably just go by standard mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, working on it. Yeah, but I, th- so but I do the think- game, You click log in, six weeks later, a, a letter right. comes and you- With the code on physical mail. And then you write your password and then you mail it back. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, I, I think uh, I do think it's actually good for people to move away from when they make a new login system to also having their own pass, their, their own security system. Because right? think about it, like when I open up my phone with my uh, Google Authenticator, mm-hmm. it's got like, fucking twelve things in there. You know, like I don't really, I don't really need it, right? Because if I just had, if I had two factor authentication just on my email, yeah, which is what everything's connected to anyway, then it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. I could just log in just by using Google to literally everything. Um, but there's this, there's this sort of sense that people don't want to, uh, give up, uh, some sense of control over, over the, what their user base sort of means, I guess. I don't know. They, they want to have, they want to control like the entire process of, mm. of, of login and, and everything. Uh, and the fact is you actually still get to, because like when we, when people log in to Rumpus using Google or something, then all that happens is when you finish it, we just get your email address, mm-hmm. right? All Google knows is that you logged into a thing called Rumpus. That's all it knows about it. Like, I'm not giving them any data. They don't know mm-hmm. shit. And right? they're not giving us any either. We'll, well they're, they're giving they're, me a little they're bit. They're going to try to. But I'm throwing it away. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're uh, not going to so, keep so it. All we, so basically all that happens in that transaction is you get an email address. And it's technologically a pretty simple transaction. Um, if Google at some point decides not to offer that service anymore, that's fine because I have your email address. Mm-hmm. I can just send you an email and be like, hey, you can't use Google anymore. Just use your email address now. Done. It's not a problem, right? So piece of cake. So I think people are worried about dependencies, or they're, or they're worried about sort of uh, seeming to have a relationship with these other companies or something, and so they're not doing it. That's um, why we give you the option to just not. Yeah, you which you just, also have. you just use your email, mm-hmm. just send a link straight to your email. Yeah, and you're good. Which is just only barely less e- less less easy. You know, yep. it's it's still very very straightforward and easy mm-hmm. to do. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, don't, I, th- I think so. Now security is not our problem. It's just now not it's our problem. problem. <laughs> exactly, which is and where which it should be which in is the first what place. It always was yeah. mm-hmm. to begin with. Yeah, because we, we can behave as responsibly as possible. You know, we we encrypt everything. We only store things that we should. We don't harvest any of your personal. We we can do all that stuff. But if you just have a bad password, then that's all for not. Mm-hmm. And so now we can just say very clearly in no uncertain terms, this is your problem. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yep. Can though, we not? The, the marketing angle is actually, look at it. It's so easy. It's so convenient yeah. for marketing angle. Yeah. Because it's, it's it's all easy about what's of, people. Instead it's of, easy <laughs> and it's more secure, which is both true. It is. Yeah. Both so I guess, our so we should probably switch our slogan because it was rumpus. It's your problem now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a catchy slogan though. It's really, it's, it's really sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's hit one more uh, quick question. 
uh, kind of coming back to the Shenanah Jam, which again, shenanahjam.com, June 8th, <laughs> sign your ass up. Uh-huh. That's not what the question is. The question is from Flamit Kermit. During game jams, what sort of jobs are divided slash delegated between Seth and Adam? I'm assuming Sam just sticks to art. Okay, so Wrong. so <laughs> so it's it's pretty easy to uh, to sort of envision how a two person team would work if you've got a programmer and an artist where one of the programs and the other you know artists. artists. So <laughs> so for starters, uh-huh. let's just let's just kind of take the broader question of team composition. Uh, who's your tank? Who's your DPS? Who's your healer? Mm-hmm. What is happening here? How do you do it? Ready to go? So I think that the interesting note with with Game jams and the distribution of work between, especially a two-person team, uh, is that one thing people, which is obvious by this question too, don't consider is that there's a f- just a shitload of other work to do that is completely unrelated to programming art. And that includes stuff like getting your uh, getting your page set up on whatever the jam post site is, getting a video created for it, finding fonts that are good, finding music that's good, finding sound effects that are good, um, all that stuff that if you can if someone's taking care of that and can sort of feed it to the programmer, then the programmer doesn't have to switch, uh, sort of switch tasks, which tends to be much more costly, I found, for programmers than it is for artists. I think because mm-hmm. art, you can just look at and you know where it's at. Programming, you're usually you building a mental it for model. a while. Yeah, you need to yeah. read it or whatever else. And so artists tend to, I think, have an easier time uh, actually performing multiple roles over the course of a game jam. At least it tends to be my experience. Yeah, so we, we call this sort of meta work versus work, right. right? Which is meta work is organizing and planning and thinking about your work and sort of figuring out what are you supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so having, having it's almost like a producer. Yeah. Like having somebody take on the role of a producer where their job is to keep track of where things are and hand tasks off to people. Yeah, but the crazy helpful. thing is that that should not be a person's solo job for the whole weekend. If, right. if it seems like your team is big enough that you need a producer, it's probably too it's big. Too big. Yep. Uh, that should just be someone's kind of like part-time gig. They're moonlighting as a producer during this game jam. Um, so usually what happens is I tend to take on the roles of getting all of that stuff as well as doing the, the art and whatever writing is required for store pages, whatever else, getting screenshots, all that sort of stuff that way, because we need programming all the way up to the 11th hour on anything we do basically ever. So that way the plate's clear for the programmer. So when it comes to jams where the three of us have participated, uh, two things happen usually between, between Seth and Adam. One is that web functionality versus game functionality tends, tends to split because usually what we'll do is we'll be like, Hey Adam, we want to try this crazy thing this weekend, which is going to require this piece of web tech, talk it out, figure it out. And then Adam just goes, builds it as soon as he's done, talks to Seth and they integrate it and it works like that. Uh, and then the other one is, splitting of programming tasks but in a very systems oriented way which I guess you should probably talk about Seth as in like we've done Adam will take progression and loops of, mm-hmm. of a game whereas Seth is working strictly on mechanical programming yeah aspects. I mean a lot of it comes down to uh, what, what we've done in the past with splitting programming stuff is is usually we'll do kind of like a as a game programmer I'll plow ahead and establish game systems uh, but then we may need something like these now that these are established and there's a structured code base for them, we need a UI to display them or something like that. Um, and so then maybe Adam would come in and, and piece that UI together while I go work on you know something else. But it's all very difficult because uh, things need to happen in sequence. You know, you need to have a system established before you can make a UI that displays the content of that system. And so you kind of have there, there's just always going to be a time early where there's just a lot of bottlenecks and mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to build programming on top of other, of other programming. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird 
That's why keeping your team small is the best. Yeah, I've, I will say, you know, we always have this joke of the optimal team size is one because then you don't have to have any meetings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think emotionally, you want at least two people so that you can sort of, you know, play It's off. more fun. It's, it's more, more fun, fun. And, and you're not just by yourself all weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, it um, depends on everybody's goals with a jam too. Um, yeah. So I used to, I used to help out with, with game programming a little bit on jam games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I got just fully immersed and I was basically doing web tech and that was my thing. Uh, then, then there was a long period where I actually didn't really participate in the jam itself for the most part. And that was because we hadn't yet, I wasn't yet good enough of a web programmer. Um, and we hadn't yet built enough sort of conceptual ways of thinking about web stuff in games to be able to actually have web stuff in a jam game. Yeah. And so what I would always do for those jams then as well, Sam and Seth were like, I would, I would kind of help out with initial idea generation and provide some feedback here and there. But otherwise I would just be doing my own jam where I'd be trying to, I'd be trying to push ahead on my own tech, trying to understand stuff better and, and be able to do things. And Scuffle Buddies, or I guess Snuppy Snuppy Rustlin, uh, was the first time that we actually tried to do a simultaneous web mm-hmm. and game jam. And it was, I mean, and it, and it worked out, but it was a real 11th hour situation. We had to build the game with the assumption that the web stuff might not work. Yeah. Right. And but so, I actually had the web stuff done uh, on, on the Saturday, on, on day one, basically of the jam. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it didn't matter unless the rest of the game was good and done. Mm-hmm. And so, so Seth didn't even hook it up until literally it was like two hours before yeah. the end of the jam. And so that, that was a consequence of us having never having, made a thing. Having multiplayer for a broken game doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make matter. Any sense. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we didn't have, and we didn't have a code base yet. Like the servers I just built from scratch, like everything was, was completely new. When it comes to future jams though, so I presume for the upcoming Shenanah jam, uh, we'll probably all, I actually won't have to touch it again. But the reason I want to touch it this time is because I've already made all the web systems now. Right. Uh, so I'll, I'll collaborate with Sam and Seth. I'm like, how do we, how do we make some cool web stuff actually work? Uh, I may have to, you know, fix some bugs and, and add some additional features. But for the most part, uh, I built Rumpus. And now Sam and Seth get to lean on that to make jam games even weirder, even basically. weirder, more interesting. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, but, uh, but that means that for me, I actually still will kind of just not participate in jams except for, just to like be there, be there jamming on my own stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's weird. It. Yeah. yeah. I keep, keep your team size small and that way you don't have to worry about these things. But, but also just keep in mind, there's, there's a ton of other work that has to be done besides the game. And it's sort of, I, uh, that's the thing I like about jams too, is that uh, it is a, a, a tiny version of what it's like to actually do a full scale game project. Because if you do it correctly, you will have to take some time on Sunday or on Saturday or something like that to, to figure out how to talk about your game, to write it up, to pick a title for it, to you know decide what fonts to use, like all this other stuff that you wouldn't normally consider game development. And you just have to do it. Otherwise, people can't actually see what the hell you made. Yeah. Important. And one of the rules that we are not strictly enforcing, because we don't really enforce any rules in the shenanigan jam, frankly, because we're too busy. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, one of the rules that we always tell people when jamming is there's no such thing as a designer. So people yeah. come in and they're like, Oh, no, no. See, here's the thing. I can't write. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do story or dialogue. I can't code. I also can't do art. I also don't know how to do music, and mm-hmm. I don't know how to make sound effects. And, I, and I, importantly, and I won't be doing any of those things. I won't be week. doing any of those things. Those. I've never built a game. I've never put my hands in code. Mm-hmm. I've never done anything. But I got lots of ideas. But I got these fucking awesome ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, you don't, because... In a jam, uh, it all comes, I mean, in in general, in game dev, it all comes down to the execution and your ability to deliver on something. And if you got somebody who, who 
because they've never actually built something, they have no context for what it means to build any of these things. You're going to have somebody who their contribution is mostly going to be sort of throwing out these these just wild, weird things that don't fit with anything that are impossible to create. Um, and then you're just going to be debating mm-hmm. all weekend uh, with this person. Uh, and even if they do come up with something that's right, that can work with the game, they now just sit back and make everybody else yeah. do it, right? So their, their whole job is to kind of just create work for everybody mm-hmm. else. Um, and so the rule that we always end up with is for every minute we spend brainstorming at the beginning, that's about an hour of dev. Mm-hmm. And so if we're spending, you know, more than 45 minutes discussing what the game is going to be, we've already got too many ideas, yep. right? Um, and if you've got somebody now who their whole job is to just sit there making ideas, you're going to end up with thousands of hours of work ahead of you that you can't do because you've yeah, only got just 40 don't years. do it. Don't so, be a designer. No, does, no, well, you can be a designer, but not solely a designer. It's like a you the gotta, producer thing, right? Yeah. yeah. You got to program, you got to do sound, you got to do music, you got to do art, you got to do something. But also for something as, as tight and scoped as a, as a jam game, it's important that everybody feels like their ideas are in there. Yeah. So even if it somehow miraculously was possible to have like a designer on that team that was just only a designer, it just makes everybody else feel like they're just doing work. Yep. And that's not what a jam is about. A jam, a jam is about creating an awesome thing together that you're mm-hmm. dumping your whole mind and soul into and you can't do that if, if all of your ideas don't count because somebody else is the idea guy, you know, like that's yes. Yeah. Now you, now you just, you got one brain and just a bunch of pairs of hands yeah. in the project, which then that's, you're just doing, you're just doing, you're work. just at work now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yep. So no designers. That's the rule. Don't do it. All right. So that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord and forums running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Bscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server, which is at discord.gg slash bscotch, and come say hey. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch, check out our shop, which is at shop.bscotch.net. We got mugs, t-shirts, stickers. Infinity War gauntlet We've got things. All, all of the <laughs> Infinity Stones. Yeah, they're they, very expensive. They're very expensive, and they come as a, as a bundle. The soul yeah. one in particular... You Very do costly. have to kill a loved one to get it, which <laughs> yeah, is a real it. bummer. Well, I mean, <laughs> but if you pay extra, we will do it for we'll you. We'll do it. We'll but take care of that. Very expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, just bear that in mind. That's sort of an exclusive item. Mm-hmm. Yep. So first come, first serve on, on that one. Uh, also, if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox. So you can find the address for that over at mailbox.bscatch.net. In theory, nowadays, we get notifications when those things arrive. So we should get it pretty promptly Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Now. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Well, thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.